Just making sure y'all have been good this year. Oh, I need some. Hold on a second. Some paperweight. There we go. Well, good deal. Well, I'm very excited um, to talk about Jesus and Christmas and all that good stuff today. Um, Typically, uh, in American fashion, most people will stop celebrating Christmas the minute that the gifts wrapping ends on, on Christmas Day, and they'll just kind of, like this morning, the Christmas songs are already off the radio. I was like, what in the world? Uh, you know, when, when, when Christmas is properly celebrated with the church calendar, there's actually 12 days of Christmas following December 25th. I didn't know if you knew that. It's not just some song. It's actually on the church calendar. So we talk about Christmas for 12 days after that, and then there's a a portion of the church calendar called Epiphany, which is essentially just uh, a time period. Um, basically, it's like second 12 days of Christmas, and <laughs> basically, where we talk about Christmas even more, because it's a really big deal, right? America has made Christmas very, very, very shallow, to where people who don't even believe in God will still celebrate Christmas as a kind of a Yuletide gathering, but has no spiritual significance to Jesus or God or anything like that. It's simply just a way to celebrate materialism, you know, just to give give stuff. I mean, if you've seen, uh, we were watching last night. At, at I'll, I'll um, embarrass all of them. We were watching last night the the How the Grinch Stole Christmas play that you all put on several years ago here at the church, and and uh, Cohen Phillips did the Grinch, and he was doing the part. It's always one of my favorite parts of it. Whenever he the Grinch is standing in front of Whoville and he's about to accept the award, but then he goes on this really profound tirade about how. They just uh, want gifts, 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 right? Um, he's like, you wouldn't believe all the neckties I've seen in the garbage, right? And he, he basically, he says a lot of funny lines in there like, oh, I want a pony so I can ride it twice and get bored, right? All these funny things, but he's poking fun at all of the materialism of what we turn Christmas into, right? That all it is is about gifts and gifts. And that's just a, a big, long rant for me to say that it's about so much more than that. So much more than that. In America, we're so fast-paced, and we want to go from next thing to next thing, but we really need to slow down and just to mull on and just to, to meditate on what does it mean that God came to us? What does it mean that God came to us and was born in a manger through Jesus? What does that mean for us? What does it mean for your life? What does that mean for you on a Tuesday morning, right? What does that mean for you on an average day? What does that mean for you on your worst day? What does it mean for you on your best day? What does it mean that Jesus came and lived in our world? And hopefully we can talk about that a little bit today. Um, because really at the heart of it, Jesus is, is God's gift to us, amen? We all give gifts to each other, and hopefully you got some good gifts. But the greatest gift that has ever been given is Jesus Christ, Amen. What's John 3.16 say? For God so loved the world, he what? He gave. He gave. He gave what? A gift. Jesus, right? So that no one should perish, but everyone who believes in him shall have eternal life. Amen? And so Jesus is the greatest gift of all that God gave us. Uh, but, but why? Really what I want to dig into today is why. Why, why Christmas? Why did Jesus come? Why uh, did, did God have to do it this way, right? Because if we know God... As, as being God, right, then all the, the problems, the sin in the world, surely he could have just forgiven it like that, right? He could have done whatever, right? But God chose to do it a specific way, a special way. He chose to do it in and through the life of Jesus Christ. And I believe there's some specific reasons why. There's some specific reasons why. And so I want to dive into that today. Why was Jesus born? Why did Jesus come? There's a lot of different answers, but I just want to make it really simple for us today. There's one verse. I was reading um, a good friend of mine, Pastor John Garlock, was on, in a Twitter feud with somebody as he, he tends to argue about uh, like 
uh, theology and stuff like that with this guy, and, and he had used this verse, and, and I, I was reading it, and it just really struck me, and I felt like it was what I was supposed to t- speak on today. And maybe, I hope, Chris, can we give a shout-out to Chris? He's just here every week, and he has to deal with my, he has to, he has to deal with my, my, uh, my procrastinating. But if we have it, uh, 1 John 3, 8, there it is. This will be our scripture for today. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Amen. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this day. Lord, I pray that as we dive into this scripture and what it means for us, Lord, that you would help us to have a greater understanding of of why you came, of what it means for us, Lord, and and, and how we can live uh, lives better for you. Lord, it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So why did Jesus come? Why was he born in a manger? Why did, why did God become part of us? Well, John writes here a very simple definition. The Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil, to destroy the works of the enemy. Simply put, right? We, uh, I'm, I, how many of you in here are big, like, superhero people, right? Last night I went and watched Spider-Man. Anybody? Just one? Be, me and Bo are the only nerds in here. That's all right. We got it together, man. Uh, Oftentimes, or if you watch the, you know, the Terminator, every movie, there's a conflict, right? There's a bad guy, and then there's a good guy, right? There's somebody that's got to go fight the bad guy and to, to restore the day, right? And we, all like, we like those movies because intuitively, we all want good to triumph over evil, right? Everybody wants that. Everybody wants good to triumph over evil. It's a common thing. Uh, but putting all fictional movies aside, Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy. That we're talking about real life stuff here. That in our real lives, there is forces, spiritual forces that come against us. Yes? There are things that come against us. The devil, the enemy, Satan, whatever you want to call him, comes against us. And there's certain things that tactics that he used, tactics and tricks to keep us from fulfilling our purpose in God. And so why did Jesus come, according to John? to destroy the works of the devil, to destroy those works, to, to come against those, to, to use the word of the psalm, to, to deflect the arrows of the wicked one, right? To, to, uh, to destroy his attacks. Um, and so this, this, this morning, I really just want to dive into this because I think it's very practical, and I think sometimes we can forget this, of how this impacts our life. So what are the works of the devil? I, if we went around the room and did another volley, uh, not prayer, I guess, this time, but just a little raising of hands and whatnot, we could all come up with something, but I've come up with a few here that really encompass uh, what I believe are the things that keep us from, from living a, a full life uh, in, in God. Uh, the first work of the, of the devil that we've seen a lot of, a lot of in our day and age, and I'm not one of these people that thinks that the world is any more sinful than it ever has been, but I think that we do invent new ways of sinning, uh, as the Bible says, and we also have uh, these devices uh, called our phones and social media, which create even more division, right? Uh, literally, the algorithms of Facebook are designed to make it to where you only see posts that align with your thinking. So they're literally created uh, to make more division, right? The devices that we have are created to make more division. We live in a world full of division. We live in a world where it's you're either this or you're that. You're either on this side or that side, right? You're either blue lives matter or black lives matter. You're either vax or no vax, right? You're either uh, Republican or Democrat, right? We go on and on, right? There's all these different categories that you, you must be on one side or the other. There's so much division, even amongst the church, right? We can't even, there's like a, a big controversy going on right now within the Christian world of Christian author Beth Moore, who left 
being a Baptist to go join the Anglican church. And everybody's up in arms like, oh my gosh, can we just like be happy she's going to church? That she's like serving in a church somewhere, right? Some people aren't happy unless they're mad, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's just the truth of it. We live in a world full of division, and that is the work of the enemy. That is the work of the enemy. Anywhere where you see division in your life, whether it's in your family life, your work life, uh, personal with friends, whatever, if you see division, that's the work of the enemy, not God. That is the work of the enemy. And Jesus came to unite us, not divide us. Jesus brings unity. Jesus' prayer in John 17 is that we would become one as him and the Father are one. Jesus prayed that. He said, Lord, make them one as you and I are one. Make them one. We haven't yet got there, but we're working towards it, right? To make us one. And Jesus represented this. If you need any further proof, within Jesus' 12 disciples, uh, he had Simon the Zealot and Matthew the tax collector. And, and the average person reading that would just skim over those details. But that's a very big deal. It's a very big deal. Uh, the Zealots were a group of Jewish people, essentially, that were uh, completely against Roman rule. They were uh, outlaws. I'm an Indian outlaw. No, I'm just kidding. They were Jewish outlaws. They were uh, completely against the Roman authorities of the day, and they would actually even go on, uh, like you call them, rampages or riots uh, to, to basically go against the Roman rule. Matthew, the tax collector, worked for the Roman government. He, his job was to collect taxes for the Roman government. And these were two people that would have absolutely hated each other, despised each other. They would have been at each other's throats and, and in normal circumstances probably uh, fought right? But what happened? They came under the lordship of Jesus Christ, and they spent years of ministry together, putting aside their differences and coming under the umbrella of Jesus's unity. And what a better way to live. I mean, that is a picture of the church right there. I mean, look around, guys. There's people of different ethnicities, people of different, uh, like, you know, tastes in, um, you know, music, different cultures, different things that you like. Some of you in here would never hang out with each other in a million years, but you're here because of one reason, Jesus, right? The devil comes to bring division, but Jesus comes to bring unity. He brings us together. He brings us together under his lordship. Now, somebody might say, well, Jesus said, I have not come to bring peace, but a sore to divide mother against uh, father uh, son against, uh, or sorry, mother against daughter, son against father, right? And he did say that. But in that passage, Jesus is, is speaking about a division of ideals. He is speaking that whenever Jesus' word comes forth, and he's speaking to those who have injustice, are, are, are performing injustice, it will divide them. It will divide them. And that's the second thing I want to talk to you about that the devil brings about is injustice. We see a lot of injustice in our world today. A lot of people that are mistreated, whether that's the way that, uh, you know, people at the border are mistreated or military vets are, are mistreated or, um, you know, homeless people are mistreated, right? There's a lot of injustice around in the world today, yeah? There's a lot of people around today that there's a lot of injustice. And what Jesus wants to do is bring justice. And we can see this no further than whenever we look in the Bible and we see that Jesus is brought with the woman caught with the act of adultery, Right? The woman with the act of adultery is brought to Jesus, and they say, uh, the, the law of Moses says to stone her. What, what do you say, Jesus? He who is without sin casts the first stone. And of course, he's the only one that can actually throw that stone, and he chooses not to. 
He chooses not to. In our lives, the devil tries to bring about injustice in the world around us. And it's our job to be people who bring about justice. Justice isn't this big word like we think like Justice League, like big, you know, worldwide saving the world. No, it just means doing the right thing. It just means doing the right thing for people that, that need it. That's what Jesus wants us to do. Another work of the enemy that really takes hold of us in our life is fear. Is fear. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but if I ask people in this room to be honest with yourselves and to ask yourself, how often are you controlled by fear? Everybody's hand would go up. Right? Whether it's the fear of, you know, dying, the fear of what other people think, the fear of not having enough, not having enough food, not having enough money, not having enough, uh, you know, money for Christmas presents, right, or whatever it is, right? The fear of not having enough, the fear of what other people think, the fear of dying, the fear of disappointment, of being let down by other people, the fear of trust being broken, right? We all have fear in our heart. But to wrap this around to Christmas, as, as I'm supposed to, what is the first thing the angels say whenever they appear uh, to Mary and Joseph? Fear not. Your Bible might say, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, for I bring you glad tidings of great joy. Today in Bethlehem, a Savior will be born. Amen? Do not be afraid. We have this human tendency. Uh, it's in our brains to, to, to think worse things worse, right? We, we, we think about those things, and, and we have a tendency to, to move towards fear. But the Bible says, do not be afraid. Jesus says to you today, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. To, you have to trust in Him. Do not be afraid of what's going to happen. Don't be afraid of what's happened in the past. Don't be afraid of these things, but we have to trust in him. I've heard it said before that the Bible says, do not be afraid or, or fear not some rendition of that 365 uh, times, one for every day. I don't know if that's true or just a corny Christian phrase, but he commands us to not be afraid. So don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. Whatever situation you're in this morning, I'm looking at a room full of people, and I know that in a room this size, some people are going through some stuff. Do not be afraid, but trust in God. Amen? Trust in God. And that's what Jesus commands us to do, is to not be afraid. The enemy brings fear, right? But what does the Bible say? For God has not given us a spirit of fear, right? He has not given us, it's not from God. If you have fear in your life, it's not from God. God has a spirit of fear. But he's given you the spirit of love and of power and of a sound mind. That's what the Bible says. Fear comes from the enemy. Fear comes from uh, the devil, right? Control, love, power. Those things come from God. A sound mind, peace in your heart. Those things come from God. And that is what we're after, right? That's what you're after. That's what I'm after is peace, right? We want peace in our life. That's what Jesus brings to us. Amen. The next thing, and I think this is really important, um, is, is condemnation. It kind of goes along with fear, but it's kind of like it's, it's ugly second cousin. Um, condemnation. What happens is uh, we, we sin. Has anybody in here sinned before? Okay, just making sure I'm in the right room. Um, what happens is we all make mistakes, right? We all do things that we're not proud of. We all say things and do things 
and go places and uh, partake in things and do all sorts of things that we should not do. And we know we shouldn't do it, but we do it anyways. And whether or not it was before we came to Christ or after we came to Christ or somewhere in the middle, what happens is the devil has this really tactical way of, of causing us to root ourselves in condemnation. We feel condemned. We feel like there is no saving me. I've gone too far. You ever met those people that say that if they walked in the church, the building would burn down? I always laugh at that because, one, well, dude, you're not that special. Like, God's not just going to burn the whole building down because you walked in. But, two, you're not too far gone, man. Nobody's too far gone. I believe that. Do you believe that? I mean, sometimes you could think about some people in your family, and you might think, well, they're too far gone. But even them, they're not too far gone. The enemy has a way of causing us to root ourselves in condemnation. We sit around, and we think that we're too far gone. Or, or maybe uh, we think to ourselves, well, yeah, I'm forgiven, but... But God would never use me. Like, yeah, he's forgiven me, but I've done too much. I'm disqualified from doing great things for God. Have you ever thought that way? I've disqualified myself. Well, go back and read the Bible. Every person that was used by God had something wrong with them. They messed up in big, big ways. And I could go through the whole of it. But look, look no further than Peter who denied Jesus, not once, not twice, but three times, three times. Yet uh, Peter became the foundation of the church, and Jesus said, you are the rock on which I will build my church. You're never too far gone. We think to ourselves that we're condemned. We think that our sin is too great. We think that our sin is too mighty. We think that our mistakes are too much for God. But what does the Bible say in Romans 8.1? Now, therefore, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Amen? There is no condemnation for those of you that are in Christ Jesus. So if you're here today and you believe in Jesus, then there is no condemnation over your life. But the enemy would try to convince you otherwise. The enemy would try to convince you that you've done too much, right? That, that your sins aren't forgiven. That, that you have to work a little bit extra hard to get God to forgive you for that sin, right? Or that, you know, we play these kinds of mind tricks on us. But I just want to be very clear today and tell you that no, God has forgiven you. If you have asked for forgiveness, then he's given you forgiveness. That's what God does. He forgives us. There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Once again, in a room this size, I'm sure there's some people that have done some things they're not proud of. I've done some things I'm not proud of. We've all done some things we're not proud of, right? But that does not disqualify us from God's love. It doesn't disqualify us from being used of God. It doesn't disqualify us from being in God's family, right? We have his love and forgiveness, as Bradley said uh, in, in the opening earlier, that he loves us and he is with us. And so we're not condemned, but we are free and forgiven. Amen? Amen. Which leads me to uh, the last two things I, I want to talk about that the, that the enemy brings about. Um, and that is sin. I just talked about how we are forgiven of our sin and we, we, we're no longer condemned, right? But not only does Jesus forgive us of our sin, but he delivers us from the power of Satan that causes us to sin. He doesn't just forgive you. He doesn't just, you know, it would, it's like, uh, you know, if you went to the doctor and, and they just gave you a medicine to help you for being sick, but they didn't really teach you, like, how to not get yourself sick again, right? It would be like if they just gave you medicine uh, for, um, you know, 
your blood pressure, but then they never you know, gave you a cure on like, hey, how to not get high blood pressure again, right? Jesus doesn't just forgive us and then leave us out to be, but no, he forgives us and then he also sets us free. He also sets us free from the power of the enemy. I want to dive into Ephesians 2 to really kind of hammer this home. Uh, hopefully you can see this. As I'm looking at it now, I can see that the, the colors are clashing quite a bit, but I'll read it to you. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world obeying the devil the commanders of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Next. Maybe. But God, so rich in mercy, he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. So what is Paul saying? Let's break this down very quickly. What Paul is saying is that you used to live this way. You used to live in selfishness and disobedience and you used to be a knucklehead and you used to be a rascal and you used to do all kinds of different mistakes and all kinds of different things, right? And you were living under the obedience, not of God, but of the devil, right? The, the, what he calls the commander of the powers of the unseen world, right? Spiritual forces that come against us, right? That's what you were living under in, in your old life. You were under that way, right? And because of that, you were enemies with God. You had made yourself an enemy with God because you had sinned against God and you had gone against what God had wanted for you and your life and you were kind of shackled down. You were kind of chained down, right? That's why when we talk about sin, we talk about uh, understanding of sin. A lot of times when Jesus was, was preaching, he would talk about sin uh, in, in a way of like a disease, right? I have not come, uh, the, the, the healthy do not need a doctor, but the sick do, right? That's what Jesus said. It's, it's almost like a disease or like a chain that holds us down is, is the power of the devil. But what does Jesus say whenever he is talking about the cross in John chapter 12? The enemy of this world will be driven out, is what he says. What is he talking about? The devil. The devil will be driven out. The power of the devil. And so if, we, if, if, if you want to uh, uh, do an analogy, one time we were here, I was at the school doing chapel, and I had chained Preston Smith to this door here. <laughs> and and he, I was like, you know, break free of the chains in Jesus' name. And then he ripped the door handle off and then had to fix it. But anyways, uh, so we're not going to do that this morning. But imagine somebody being chained down, right? And they have nowhere they can go. They want to go. They want to go. I firmly believe that people in this world do want God's love. They do. But oftentimes they are shackled down by years of condemnation and sin and shame heaped on them by Satan heaped on them by the enemy. There's a lot of, of layers like an onion going on there. But what happens uh, in and through the power of Jesus, what does he say right uh, on, on the second little half here? But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, we were over here in this camp. We were chained down by the enemy, right? He raised us to life with Jesus Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Jesus Christ. So what happens is that not only are we forgiven of our sins, but the chains are broken and now we can walk free in the power of God. Amen? Amen. 
We're not just forgiven of our sins, but now we can walk away from that old life. We can walk away from, from uh, the disobedience and the knuckleheadery and the, uh, if that's even a word, I don't know, and the, uh, the, the rascalishness behavior. Right? We can walk away from the things that we used to do, and we can walk in the life that God has for us. Amen. We can walk in what, uh, what God has for us. And that is what Jesus has done for us. And lastly, this is kind of, you know, Christmas and Easter are like peanut butter and jelly. You can't talk about one without the other, right? The last thing that the enemy brings about is death. Is death. I was talking to uh, one of my family members at Christmas, uh, on Christmas Eve, and he was talking to me about how they do a, a cancer uh, outreach ministry and how uh, basically they're partnered with somebody um, in, their, uh, in this program that has cancer. And usually it's a terminal diagnosis and um, they're to walk them through just that time, just to be with them, just to be you know, a helping hand, just to be a, a minister to them during that time. And I was reflecting, after that conversation, I was reflecting upon uh, the loss that we've had this year, you know. Uh, death. Death is, has not avoided the River Church. Uh, we've lost too many people. Um, Dave, Cindy, Sister Woosley, uh, the list goes on, right? Lots of people that have left us too soon. Death is the work of the enemy. Death was not God's design, right? Death was not something that God intended for us, but something brought about by the enemy, the Bible describes it perfect in this, in John 10.10. 10. This is my last scripture there, Chris, if you could turn there. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. The enemy comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. But Jesus comes to give life. He comes to give life. He comes to give life. He comes to give life. Amen? That's what Jesus does is he brings life. You know, sometimes they say you have to hear something six or seven times before you get it in your, in your head. He came to bring life. That's what Jesus did. The enemy comes to bring death, but Jesus comes to bring life. And so I've gone through all of these things here this morning rather quickly, but I want to wrap it back around in a, in a Christmas bow tie if we can and ask ourselves, why did Jesus come? Why did Jesus go? Why do we celebrate? Why is it a, a great thing? Why is it an amazing thing that Jesus came? Because he is our Savior. He is the one. He is the Messiah. He is uh, Yeshua. He is the Messiah. He is the, the one, the Alpha and the Omega, the one who was and is and is to come. He is our Savior. He is our Lord. He is our healer. He is our Redeemer. He is everything that we could ever want and more. He redeemed us uh, from our sin. He redeemed us from our, our, our death. He redeemed us from condemnation. He redeemed us from hell. He redeemed us from division. In our life, he, he redeemed us from injustice, redeems us from fear, right? All of these things, he redeems us and he draws us in to himself. And that's what Christmas is all about. We're invited to, like the wise men, like the shepherds, come to the manger and to simply adore the one who will save us. 
That's what we're invited to do. We're invited just to come and to be in proximity with the one who loves us. And that's what they were, that's what they were doing. When they came to the manger, they weren't, you know, there was nothing crazy going on. They were just simply being there with Jesus. And that's what Jesus invites you to do today. is simply to come and to, to be with him. This message today, uh, we talked a lot about what the enemy has done against us. And maybe you're in this place, and the truth be told is that you haven't really submitted to the wardship of Jesus. And you still feel some of those things coming against you. You still feel... Uh, you know, fear taking hold of your life. You still feel condemnation over your life. You still feel division in your life and your family. You still feel the weight of the temptation of sin pulling against you. Um, Then I invite you to come to Jesus. That's what this is all about. That's why we do what we do. That's why we come together every Sunday is to draw closer to Jesus. Amen? And if you're in this place and you're, you're going through something, you're, you're struggling in some way, shape, or form, I firmly believe that Jesus brings these things to us, that Jesus brings unity in our life, Jesus brings justice in our life, Jesus brings salvation in our life, Jesus brings uh, peace in our heart, right? He delivers us from sin, all of these things. Everybody's close your eyes and bow your head just for a second. Lord, we just thank you so much for this day.